grandfather of William Jackson III died and left him $20 million. A few days later, William's girlfriend Roxanne suggested they get married. <laughs> After just a few weeks of marriage, William felt that Roxanne was growing more distant and less affectionate. After a few months of marriage, William wondered if Roxanne cared about him at all. She seemed completely indifferent toward him, and he finally decided he needed to confront her. When he finally did get Roxanne to, speak, to agree to speak with him, he said, I'm beginning to think that the only reason you married me is that I inherited $20 million from my grandfather. And Roxanne was slightly amused at William and assured him this was not the case at all. That is a ridiculous notion, she said to him. I would, it would not have mattered to me who gave you the money. <laughs> Someone in the crowd that was gathered around Jesus said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. What motivated this man in the crowd to ask Jesus for help with his family situation? Was he being greedy? Was he being treated unfairly by his brother? We don't know. But at the moment, Jesus doesn't seem to care so much what the issue was that led that. He just decides to use that presenting situation to offer a lesson on priorities. Disagreements over inheritance happens often in families. We both want grandma's piano, or all three of us want the home place. We can't divide a piano in two or split a house in three ways. And sometimes it's not possessions that we're greedy for, but comfort, or routine, or familiarity. Even churches have fought what are called the worship wars, where some congregants want newer music and others prefer marching to Zion in the old rugged cross. There were differing opinions in this congregation because you can see the white woodwork around the edge and back behind the choir. That used to be uh, just stained wood. And there were some who didn't like the idea of painting that stained wood. The carpet color didn't used to be teal blue. I'm told it used to be a red color. And I suspect that that was not a happy issue to discuss either. Again, sometimes it's not possessions that we're greedy for, but it's familiarity, it's comfort, it's routine, it's what we know. It's easier to be rich in opinions than it is to be rich toward God. And Jesus knows this is our tendency, and so he tells a parable. This farmer didn't set out to be greedy. He didn't intend to be a fool, building bigger barns to house his healthy crops that year. It seemed to make sense at the time. But listen to all of the me focus he has in this dialogue with himself. <clears throat> this rich man thought to himself, what should I do for I have no place to store my crops? 
Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. When we have a lot of I's and my's and me's in whatever we say, it would behoove us to stop and consider what we want from someone else's perspective. Do we sound greedy? Are we too comfortable with our possessions? Are we too comfortable with our lives? In Jesus' parable, God says to the selfish man, you fool, this very night your life or your soul, the one with whom you were just having this delightful conversation, is being demanded of you. Now none of us has experienced fully what Jesus describes in his parable of God taking away our lives, but most if not all of us have had experiences when it felt like life was sucked out of us. Those of you who are familiar at all with the Harry Potter series will remember the most feared creature of the Dementors. These flying skeletal beings are, in the words of the character Remus Lupin, among the foulest creatures that walk this earth. They infest the darkest, filthiest places. They glory in decay and despair. They drain peace, hope, and happiness out of the air around them. Get too near a Dementor and every good feeling, every happy memory will be sucked out of you. If it can, the Dementor will feed on you long enough to reduce you to something like itself, soulless and evil. And in the worst situations, a person may experience the Dementor's kiss, in which the Dementor completely sucks the soul out of its prey. And one person noted that the author of the Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling, fashioned these creatures out of her own experience with severe depression. And so we may want to ask ourselves whether it's felt like us at some time when someone or something has sucked out of us all the joy and the light in life. Something similar like that to that might happen when a person hears the words from a doctor, you have cancer. You feel the blood drain away from your face. Or someone says to you, I'm leaving you. And life suddenly feels empty. Or the same could happen when there's a death. Or even crops is closing. You know, we get attached to various things, multiple things. Possessions, our church, our health, other people, even grocery stores. And Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So I think one of our questions from this text is, what kinds of greed are challenging you this day? 
If life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, of what does it consist? Jesus concludes his parables, his parable with the, the sentence, the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Father Alberto Cutier suggests a way to be rich toward God. He writes, as the great comedian, great American comedian Bob Hope once said, if you haven't got any charity in your heart, you have the worst kind of heart trouble. And indeed, perhaps that is what we may be suffering from, heart trouble, the kind of heart trouble that makes us unable to fully experience the loving, great generosity of God. Furthermore, our inability to plainly see God's bountiful providence in our lives. When we come to terms with the fact that God's generosity is great, we begin to realize how much more generous we must be, we who are created in God's image and likeness. In this story, Jesus calls us to dig below our greed. I don't know about you, but I feel like my heart has levels. And the dark, heavy stuff is on the top, and the good stuff is down deep. And there's this constant process then of needing to, to dig down through the difficulties, dig down through the, the greed, through those, the challenges of being human, really to find the light of God down in the center that can then shine more brightly through me. So can we dig down below our greed to find there the generosity of God? And part of God's generosity is expressed today on this table in front of us. The bread and the juice are symbols of the life of God given to us and for us, and to receive it well, we give generously to God, ourselves, our family disputes, our possessions, our egos. Let us pray together for cleansing as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. Oh Lord our God, we cannot dig without your help. And so we invite you to take the shovel with us and help us to dig through the hardness, dig through the greed, dig through the selfishness, to find you at our center with your brilliant light that somehow shines even through that darkness. We pray, O oh God, for cleansing. We pray for your forgiveness and for the ability to forgive others. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits as we receive the gifts of our Lord Christ together. In his name we pray. Amen.